0: Welcome to the show. I'm Shane Norton, a.k.a. the Sports Card Nobody, and this is episode 17 of the Sports Card Nobody podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The baseball offseason is finally mercifully coming to an end. Somehow we survived the lockout and we are getting ourselves a full season of baseball played at the highest possible level. Thursday, April 7th, we kick it all off. We're going to see the Braves start their title defense against the Reds, and then on Friday, April 8th, oh, buddy, yes, 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 the Dodgers, my Dodgers, start their season against the Rockies. They're at home, and everybody's talking about how this might be one of the greatest lineups ever put together. Now that Freddie Freeman, Freddie freaking Freeman is in Dodger blue. I am still not sure if this is real, but you know what? I don't know if the Dodgers are going to be able to meet even a fraction of the hype that is accompanying the opening of this season, but I am so game to find out because I love baseball. I love baseball. And with it just around the corner, I had to dedicate this episode to the beautiful game that it is. And I am so pumped because on the other side of this intro, I get to sit down and have a conversation with Scott Baldwin. That is Scotty B cards on YouTube. Scott has one of the very best content shows going today in the hobby. He talks baseball cards specifically and he dives in deep. He is so thorough with his research. He really goes in and breaks down all the numbers. He makes cases for top 10 players and he makes it all make sense. If you care about collecting in any shape or form in this hobby, you can learn something from Scott. Even if you don't collect baseball cards, the way he attacks his research and the way he uses the facts and the numbers to decide what he wants to do with his investments, with his collection. It is universal, and it is awesome. But very quickly, before we get to that, if there's anything I am doing on the show that you are enjoying, please consider subscribing to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Please consider giving me a review. And feel free to reach out at any time. You can find me at SportsCardNobody on Instagram, at SportCardNobody on Twitter. And more than anything, what will mean the most... Please consider sharing this with friends, share it with family, share it with anybody you think might care about anything I have to say. It means so much to help the show grow and keep things going. But enough about me, enough about the show, because on the other side of this music, I have Scott Baldwin, Scotty B. Cards. Please stick around because it is a phenomenal conversation. Hi, welcome back to the show. I am super, super excited right now because I have my third guest ever. For those of you that have been listening, you know that I've been diving more and more into sitting down with people that I admire in the hobby. And this is a content creator that is absolutely killing it on YouTube. I have got Scott Baldwin, Scotty B cards, one of the best baseball centric, channels you can find and best hobby hobby channels you can find in general. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Shane. I am happy to be here. It'll be fun.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. We've got, um, we just got out of the lockout, right? Finally, we're, we've got baseball season right around the corner. And, I am such a big baseball fan. Now, a lot of people that have been listening to my show lately, I've been so wrapped up in the wrestling card aspect of the hobby. I'm a big wrestling fan, if oh, you nice. don't know that, Scott. But nice. um, but I love baseball. I have such a passion for baseball. I, I always say like, to me, it's the most romantic sport. Um, it, it's hard to really explain, but something about the history of it and everything about it, I love baseball so much. And we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. April 7th, I think a week away or whatever it's going to be when this goes live, we're finally going to get some baseball, man.
1: Oh, I know. I So I released a video before the lockout because I saw it coming. We all saw it coming. I didn't think they were stupid enough to miss any time for the season. Right. And then every like since February on, I definitely thought they were stupid enough to miss the season or parts of the season. So when they actually got it going again, I am beyond happy. you will have a full 162. I'm really surprised we are and I'm really looking forward to it. It's funny. I, I it's hard explaining it. But everybody listening to this podcast probably is in the same boat. You just we care so deeply about this sport, you know? It's amplified because of the other part of our hobby we enjoy which is card collecting and it's not as fun without it if you collect modern cards. But like you said baseball is romanticized. That's just how it is. It is the history, it's the fact that we can compare Mickey Mantle to Mike Trout because
0: stats haven't changed all that much and so forth. So we're on the same Yeah, that that was something I was talking about fairly recently when I um I was talking about like uh, you know I'm a huge Dodgers fan so you're a Rockies fan so everyone listening we've got a little bit of um NL West heads budding here I'm rocking my Mookie Betts jersey but we'll connect about on that later but yeah I was talking recently because I picked up a um a Sandy Koufax um I think a numbered to ten um card a, a museum tops museum card autograph phenomenal card. And I was talking about that same exact thing, how you can compare through the hundred plus years of baseball and how it it really still translates from then till now. And those comparisons still work versus some of the other sports where it, it falls apart a little bit. Yeah. If you look at football,
1: you know, quarterbacks have over the last 30 years have drastically changed from the previous existence of football up to that last 30 years, or maybe it's been 40, you could argue 40, you know, but the point remains that 40 years ago in baseball it's almost identical. Yes, the game's slightly different in the way that hitters may approach certain things with swinging for a little bit swinging for the fences, a little bit more launch angle, all that stuff, but the game is relatively intact. So it's actually it's it's awesome. I love baseball. I I never was a baseball fan growing up. I actually didn't like baseball. And then I got older and Billy Butler, if there's no video on this, but I have a big old Billy Butler card behind me. He is a family friend. He played for the Royals. And so, in turn, I watched baseball every day to support him and because it was fun to know him. And because of that, that's what made me fall in love with baseball. And then the baseball card collecting came because I was, was a basketball card collector when I was younger. And now baseball just makes sense to me. And basketball, the hobby doesn't make sense to me. And so, it's just funny how that's all changed over the last, you know, 10 years, 20 years. So.
0: Yeah I mean the evolution of our the way we hobby I mean it changes so much as it is but uh, but let's touch more on on your background in the actual hobby. So are you like the rest of us you collect when you kid when you were a kid fall out of it and get back into or how, what is your hobby journey like?
1: That's a good question. So my hobby journey I collected when I was a kid. My very first blaster box was at Christmas. I was a big Pokemon kid. Um, cause I was born in 1995. And so because of that Pokemon came out and basically in the States in 1999. So that's what everybody was collecting. And then I went to Yu-Gi-Oh! And then once I got a little bit older, I showed interest in the jazz. Cause I'm from Idaho and they're the closest team. So my dad bought me my first blaster box and it was 2003 tops. So talk about a good set, LeBron rookies, Carmelo Anthony rookies. Didn't know anybody. I pulled a Carmelo Anthony rookie, no LeBron, uh, in hindsight, but I had no idea who the people were. But that's like what got me addicted to it in the sense of, you know, I, I always loved the hobby. I did fall out in high school a little bit. I still cared about my cards. I still cared about the vintage cards, but I was not proactive in buying and selling. I wish I would have been because if I did, I'd be rich right now like we all would have been, uh, you know, if we would have been buying in the late 2000s, early 2010s. But I got back into it really heavily. I was still collecting buying a box or two here and there, but probably around like 2015. I got back into it from where I was and that's when Billy was kind of doing his best. And that's when I switched to baseball cards and the rest is history now to where I am. So
0: that's awesome stuff, man. And one of the, one of the things about this hobby that's fascinating is like almost all of us starts out because we love some aspect of entertainment, whether it's sports or Marvel cards or, you know, whatever it is. And we want to express that, right? So we start buying cards that we like baseball, basketball, whatever it might be. But for almost all of us at some point, whether we're just collectors, which I really am, I consider myself, I'm, I'm a collector, that's my lane, but the money starts to matter at some point, right? We care about the value of the cards. We want to sell cards either to buy bigger cards or consolidate to get into something else. Or a lot of people start to figure out just flipping in general and becoming basically making it a job. And a lot of people actually dream about the idea of, of having a full-time job in a hobby like, like this. Now, you actually have a little bit of history with that because you opened up a card shop, didn't you? You have a whole YouTube video about it. So anybody who wants to see the actual video and the photos and everything that Scott shared, go check it out on his YouTube channel. But can you share with us a little bit about what that experience was like?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. It was one of the most fun things I've ever done. Uh, Fiscally, it probably wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the financial backing. I opened it up with somebody and he was the financial backing and I was the knowledge and the day-to-day management of it. Uh, but I did it for So I, I, the shop was a legacy project. It was open in the 1990s and then it was closed, I think, in the year 2001, which makes sense with how the hobby went. And it was closed all the way until 2020. And then in 2020 is when I went up, renovated it, and then we opened the card shop. Uh, I only was there, unfortunately, for about six months just because at work, once everybody wanted us to be in the office, I had that situation. Plus I got a, a slight promotion, which really required me to be there. And so I left at that point, but those six months were awesome. It was a really good experience. You know, it was fun. Definitely with the kids who would come up, always try to give them a, a couple cards or a pack for free or give them good deals. And, and it's also fun for adults. I don't open much wax. I never have, because I, I have a hard time with the risk, but it was always fun seeing what people pulled because there were some crazy polls, you know, up there. And so there, there was a lot of, really good experiences I had with it. If
0: I'm ever independently wealthy, I will do it again. And now we're about the money. Dude, that's, that's so phenomenal. I, so when I was a kid, the big thing that I collected, I, I collected cards, but I was such a huge comic book collector. Nice. And throughout the years, my whole life, I've collected different things, comic books, action figures, and and sports cards. And I've always dreamed about doing exactly what you did. Or when I retire, I still have it in my head that one day when I retire, if I don't want to be completely retired, maybe there's some sort of avenue I can try to get into and do it. Um, but um, what's really helped with that, though, is getting into this content, right? This this need to want to be involved with these sort of hobbies so deeply for me. I've been able to express that really strongly through this content. Now, as I've talked about a lot, I love what you're doing on YouTube. So so you have you had the store. That changes, and the world you know changed for everybody around that time in 2020. How did you get into making your channel? So that's a good question as well. So I did the shop, and I have a
1: coworker who's also a Rockies fan. Uh, There's there's at least a couple of us, and we're (laughs) Utah, so it's hard to find somebody else who cared about the Rockies. But he's my coworker, and he basically told me I knew a lot about it and I should make a podcast or a YouTube channel. And I was like, no one wants to listen to me talk about baseball cards, I promise. And then I was kind of listening to like Sports Card Investor. I was listening to all these other people who primarily focus on not baseball cards. They focus on basketball, football, everything else but baseball, even soccer and Formula One more than baseball. And it was frustrating because it was like, I felt like there was a hole in what I wanted to enjoy listening to. And I figured others felt that same way. And so because of that, that's why I started a YouTube channel was to provide like more of like the strategic thinking behind card purchasing and collecting and having fun with it, but also to focus exclusively on baseball cards. I, and that happened because of the card shop, he realized how much I liked it. And that got the conversation going. He edits my videos because I couldn't do that all by myself because I release two videos a week, the actual uh, presentations and, and topics I try to think up that could be fun for people to listen to take a lot more time than I thought they would, you know, and so because of that editing is like another three to four hours on the side. So we split some of the YouTube profits and, and go from there, but it's more of a passion project as you can attest to.
0: Yeah. That's, um, you know, for anybody who's interested in, in starting content or getting involved with content, I can, Go ahead and admit this, and again, anybody who's listening to me already knows this, but I started a YouTube channel first. When I wanted to start making something, start really talking about this hobby more, I started with the YouTube channel, and man, the editing was a bear. I I could not keep up with it. I think three or four episodes in, and I really enjoyed it. I was having fun. I was making fun of myself a lot. I really enjoyed it, but... I just could not keep up with it. And that's what evolved into this podcast, which has been so much fun. I've still been able to get that sort of um, creative outlet and diving into this hobby the way I want to. Uh, so kudos to you to keep up with the YouTube channel the way that you have been. And I mean, you, you're a pretty popular YouTube channel. I mean, it's been growing. You've you've seen a lot of success in that, in that realm. What's that been like? It's been interesting. My wife, when I told
1: her I was gonna be doing it, she thought, she kind of not mocked or scoffed. That's not the right word. Cause she was supportive, definitely was supportive of me, but I don't think she anticipated me actually diving into it as much as I did. Um, and it's been a really fun creative outlet, but on top of that, it's been great getting to know everybody in the hobby, you know, and you see, I think some influencers take it to the extreme where they think they're more important than their fellow hobbyists, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Like you see it on Instagram all the time. And the most fun is just meeting other people who collect mookie bets that I also enjoy collecting or I have people that I recognize who've been following the channel for the last year and a half who comment every video. And it's just, it's, it's a really fun sense of community. So that's been fun. It's, it's also fun. I went to, I've had two people notice me in public and say hi. And I thought that was really fun just because, uh, they watch the channel and stuff. So it's, it's a relatively small channel, but for sports cards, it's a decent size, you know, 13,000 subscribers. So
0: Dude, that is absolutely nothing to sneeze at. That's phenomenal. Um, and again, I, I can't recommend enough. My 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 wife has often, you know, I was saying this to you uh, before we started recording, but I don't have a ton of YouTubers that I can keep up with. Uh, so podcast is really where I dive in. I can listen so much when I'm driving, but there's like four or five, maybe even six YouTube channels that I absolutely follow and subscribe to. You are one of them. And every time you come on, I'm usually putting on in the, in my television in the other room and my Hi. wife has started to like, recognize some of the things that i watch and she was asking me the other day like why does he always wear the rockies hat (laughs) so it's become like a brand for you that i I imagine you wear when you're out maybe going to card shows or whatever that people probably immediately like oh there's not not a lot of rockies uh hats around and that's got to be scotty b (laughs) tell your wife i also wonder why i'm wearing this rockies hat (laughs) yeah so why don't we why don't we talk about that a little bit man what's it being a rockies fan is I imagine that there's a lot of trials and tribulations. I mean, how do you feel about this offseason? Obviously, you lost a massive, massive player in Trevor Story. You guys got back Chris Bryant. I don't know if that's an even swap or, you know, Uh, what do you feel about that? So being in the Rockies, you're a Dodgers
1: fan. So basically, you're the big brother who we want to compete with, but you don't even realize it's a rivalry, right? So it's one of those things where to you, you're the Giants and even the Padres are your rival, but the Rockies want to beat the Dodgers. And we were so close in 2019, 18. One of those years we went to game 163 with the Dodgers for the, for the division and lost. Luckily they still went to the playoffs, but it's one of those things where I love the Rockies and I may make some jokes about how it's, it's like full of pain, which it is, you know, that's sports in general. I was telling my wife, I was like watching a movie, but the ending's always terribly sad. It's like every day when you watch baseball games, but it's one of those things where you just connect like to the prospects that are in like the lower levels of the minor leagues and you watch them grow into being a superstar and all these things. And yeah, it sucks. Trevor story left, but I'm genuinely happy for him. I was kind of hoping he would leave. Jeff Brad, was the Rockies GM and he did a really bad job. He did a really bad job. And because of that, he soured a lot of relationships and I'm happy kind of with what's happened with the new management. There's, they spent a lot of money this offseason on a lot of extensions. And I don't think the Rockies are going to be competitive for a while, but they've been drafting relatively well. They've always drafted relatively well. So we just have to wait for the Dodgers big contracts to catch up to them. And then maybe
0: we'll have an opportunity. So it's never going to happen. It's going to be perfect every year from now on. Right. <laughs> That's how it goes.
1: <laughs> so the Rockies payroll is like 130 million this year, which is better than
0: being like an A's fan where they just cut down to like almost below 30 million. So it's crazy how I think uh Jock Peterson had just recently um, tweeted out um like the top three teams, which, you know, I think Dodgers, uh, Yankees, and maybe the Red Sox or whomever. And then the bottom three teams, and there were three of them that were right around that $30 million mark. And it's crazy that there's players, individual players making as much as team payrolls. I don't know how that's... And this lockout that happened, how that didn't get taken care of is something that befuddles me a little bit. I think the players sacrificed the salary
1: floor for a higher CBT. And we'll see over the next five years how that plays out. I just also think there's extra motivation for the, I think the pirates are one of the teams. Uh, I, feel, I don't know how high the, the Marlins payroll is, but also the athletics. But it's one of those things. I think that the athletics are shooting themselves in the foot intentionally becoming horrible. So that way nobody comes to their game. So they can move to Las Vegas and have an excuse. I think that hundred percent. That's wrong, what's happening. I feel really terrible for A's fans because they don't deserve it. I think A's fans are some of the best in all of baseball. Billy Butler went to the A's and he wasn't as good as he was at the Royals. So I'm sorry about that A's fans, but I got to watch all their games every single day. And like the people who do the drums in the outfield and, you know, it's just, they're some of the best broadcasters in baseball, but it's, it is what it is. Baseball and being a fan is always hard unless you're a Dodgers fan, of course. Yeah.
0: I'll <laughs> tell you what too. another real bummer for ACE fans is that stadium is rough. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's what I think. It might be the worst stadium I've ever been in, uh, maybe for any sport. That's uh, they all sports fans deserve more than that. I really hope things get straightened out because I, I mean, listen again, I'm a Dodgers fan, but I, I'm a baseball fan, and, and totally. this actually leads me into the next topic. I really would love to talk with you about because I, I mean, I love baseball so much. Um, I really want to see it flourish. I want to see it reach some of the heights that it used to have. Uh, I mean, the last couple of years, there's so much conversation about how the popularity has been going down. It's been, I mean, we might be hitting a a new era of actual superstars, which is nice because it was, I don't know how many years for somebody to be more mainstream outside of baseball. Maybe we're going to start seeing that with like Acuna, Tatis, Otani. Otani's really, you know, he's got the global appeal, but someone like Mike Trout is so unknown and he's so phenomenal. I mean, in the argument of one of the best players of all time. And if you talk to somebody who's not a baseball fan, they probably don't know who Mike trout is yeah and then we just had this lockout right and how many people were tweeting and, and all over the place talking about how they're never going to come back to baseball now granted they didn't they're only missing a couple of weeks of games or whatever it is so I think the the um, negative impact is going to be mitigated a little bit but you still have this overwhelming sense that baseball is just lagging behind badly the other mainstream sports I mean NFL and, and NBA for sure. There's you know there's certain markets that even hockey rivals baseball on the regional side. What's your take? Where do you think the hobby st- or the uh, the sport stands right now? And and what do you what do you think about the future?
1: Uh, one thing I am much more optimistic on the future of baseball. I'm not saying you are pessimistic. That's not what I'm saying. I think than the average person, youth participation in baseball is up. Youth participation in football is down, probably because of the whole concussion situation, injuries, all that stuff. But on top of that. We do have some more star power, right? And we're starting to see these players market themselves a little bit more. But the way that basketball's set up now, 20 teams essentially make the postseason. The whole regular season is losing all its significance. It's just, I kind of even feel like in basketball card collecting, it's just kind of stale, right? Unless you're Luca, you're worth nothing. Unless you're uh, LeBron, you're worth nothing when it comes to cards. Well, baseball has a lot more ties to it. So I think baseball is in a renaissance period. I think the lockout would have killed that. And I think that's partially why they got a deal done. They get a full season in, but I really have optimism going towards baseball. Yes, they have all these big TV contracts that are breaking and their revenues are going up. So it's not as big of a deal to the owners, how people view baseball, but that could change. And when that does, I think they'll start to market the players more correctly. So I am more optimistic. I also think that when you're in the media, uh, I do this with thumbnails and it's a, it's a hard balance of, Doing clickbait versus what truly the content's about, right? And so, for a lot of the media, they can focus on the negatives, right? Focus on the negatives, like baseball's dying. That that conversation has really been around since like the 1960s.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's great, you know. In the media, negativity always seems to sell, right? The the drama. I mean, we hear all this in social media how it's. The concept what they constantly call it um, doom scrolling, right? It's something about negativity that people want to listen to and watch and all that sort of stuff. So, that is a fantastic point. But I'm also curious um, I enjoy, I, I love that you're optimistic about baseball because, in general, I am too. You know, I really am excited for what the future brings. I, I love, like you touched on, the, this new crop of superstars that is starting to emerge. Um, but the future of baseball is changing quite a bit. And I'd love your opinion. I mean, Universal DH has now been implemented throughout throughout both leagues, uh, talk about robo lumps coming down. The ghost runners still stick around shift banning the shift and all these sorts of things. What do you think about all these actual rule changes that are happening? So I am a baseball
1: fan, but I wouldn't say I'm a necessarily a baseball purist in the sense where I'm not okay with these changes, the changes I'm okay with. Like, I don't really want them to raise or lower the mound or move the mound in. Like that's what I don't want, but I understand banning the shift. I've been a proponent for that for a long time when you ban it in moderation. I don't mean like you literally have to stand in a certain spot when the play is going, but there's good things about it. One, it shows the player's athleticism on defense. They make good plays again, where before they're stationed exactly where they need to be all the time. And it just makes it kind of routine and boring on top of that, the ball is put into play, have a better chance of actually being a hit, especially for left-handers. So I am all for that myself. I think as long as you have like a simple rule, all infielders in the ball is thrown have to be on the infield dirt and they have to be have two people on each side of second base. That's simple enough, right? I think that's where they land, and I think you'll still be, see people basically up the middle as long as they're on the right side of the bag, but it'll make it so some hard-hit balls on the left side that should be hits, even if like the third player, like you, Manny Machado, always stands in right field between the right fielder and the second baseman, they'll actually have hits again. So if the league wants baseball to be successful, they need to make it fun. To make the baseball fun, you need to have more balls in play that actually have a better result of being hits. And that in turn would allow players to maybe change the way they approach their at-bats versus just swinging for the fences where they have a better chance of just putting the ball in play, the more adapt to maybe not strike out as much, things like that. So I think it's a good change. Universal DH, I am okay with it. I was against it. My mind changed because uh, Mookie Betts, actually, because Mookie Betts went to the Dodgers in 2020 at a great year because he constantly had people on base in 2021. He did not have a great year partially because it basically because of injury. But if you think about his actual numbers, he's in the leadoff spot for the first time in the national league, the pitcher is constantly ruining rallies for Mookie. And so when he's finally in his position where there's players on base, he's pushing so much because he only has like a third of the chances he usually does, which I'm excited for his numbers to be relatively normal again. Plus it makes it more fun for the casual fan. So I think these changes are good. I don't want to see them do drastic changes um, where it's like, just not recognizable anymore again, but I think these small changes, the pitch clock doesn't bug me. They're speed the game up from the pitcher's perspective. Honestly, I went to the couple of minor league games. You don't even notice the pitch clock. It's just one of those things where if it can make any incremental difference, give it a shot. You know, if it doesn't work, then get rid of it type of a thing.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, you touched on it. It's absolutely true that the most important thing for baseball is to make it fun. Let the kids flip the bats. Let the let the pitchers be pumped when they get a strikeout. I am all for every single every single bit of that. Let the game be fun so that people can connect these these people more than they have in the last ten years or whatever it's been. And as for the the universal DH, that's one. You know, I'm a I'm a National League guy, right? I I really like watching some of the the weird things that happen with the pitchers when they're up there. But listen, the American League's not getting rid of it. The game needs to be the same. It's crazy to me that um it's the rules aren't the same right so I am all for it. I'm happy that it's finally happening uh, sign me up for that and it's nice to see it's going to be happening in both leagues so I, I'm totally on board with that
1: yeah you know the history of baseball is interesting because we've had the American in the national League for 100 years 100 what 40 years now yeah right right around there it's basically changing now because next year we have a more competitive year right what I mean by that is right now you play 18 teams against each person in a division. So majority of your games are in division. Well, next year they're having a more balanced schedule where you'll play basically everybody equally. And then I bet here soon we'll have a couple different expansion teams. We're kind of getting rid of the whole concept of how these leagues are different from each other, which has been special to baseball, but also unnecessary at times. And so it's going to have a lot more change before it's done in the next little bit. And I do think some is going to be a little bit of a heartburn for some fans. But I think in the long run, it will be one of those things where you don't even notice. And,
0: you know, you won't even tell it's changed. It'll just be what it is, which is awesome. But all right. So let's get more back to the actual hobby aspect uh, of this conversation, because you've talked about it a lot already. You've hinted at it and your YouTube channel is littered with it. But you are a Mookie bets guy. He is like your main PC. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So it's one of those things. I used to be a main Mike Trout guy. And then I recognized Mookie. that was like, even just until a year and a half ago. And I recognized early Mookie Betts was going to be good, right? I could tell he's going to be good. He has all of the proponents to be a hall of famer at an early age. He won his MVP. He won the world series. And then that's when I really started to collect his stuff. So I used to be, my whole PC was Mike Trout and I haven't sold any Trout at all. I've actually picked up a little bit more, but my Mookie PC is now like double as valuable as my Trout collection. You guys keep picking them up for good deals. And so now that's who I get, who I watch all the time. So basically Mookie's number one, Trout's number two, Soto's number three. And then after that, I just like pitchers. I have a lot of Zach Greinke and Max Scherzer, which is kind of random. And then Paul Goldschmidt. But those are the main three that I actually think
0: are good buys. So yeah, Mookie's my, Mookie's the guy I really hope bounces back this year. So. Another another video I really want to I want to pump up here for anybody who's who really wants to go check out your stuff. You had a great video where you, um, I forget what the thumbnail was, something along the, line, along the lines of like, was this a scam? Because you got a really good deal on a Mookie Betts. It was like an orange refractor or something like that. Is that what it was?
1: It was, yeah, it was a gold refractor
0: um, of his
1: Topps Chrome update rookie. So it was, it was a really lucky buy.
0: And so, it graded, uh, it gemmed, didn't it? It got a 9.5 from SGC. So
1: it's the mint plus, but still that's a good grade for a raw card from however long ago that's worth quite a bit. So yeah, and that was phenomenal. If anybody hasn't seen that, oh, I'm sure there's people who haven't seen it, but that video is fun because I just show the process of how I found it when I opened it, when I sent it in for grading. And fun story about Topps Chrome update in those years is they didn't have super and the only parallels they had are the black number to 99 and the gold number to 250. That's it. They didn't have any other parallels. And so
0: they were really, really hard to find it, which makes them a little bit more valuable. So it was a fun pickup. Yeah, that I was uh, I was watching that one with a lot of envy I was like that what a deal that I just got on that that's phenomenal uh and, and yeah the fact that it's it still graded super well um even in sGC slab that's that's fantastic man nice nice purchase <laughs> thank you that wasn't even my best eBay pickup actually <clears throat> my best one is a guy I have a
1: couple searches saved like I talked about in that video but one was a 2011 tops update set but it was it said 2011 series one series two complete set plus update set is what it said. And so I reached out to the guy and I figured the trout wouldn't be included, but I still wanted to get the rest of the set so I could have it for my collection. And it was like $45. And so I reached out and he's like, well, I was like, how many cards is the update set missing? He said, none. So I bought it to see if it actually had the Mike trout in there. And it did have the Mike trout Wow! and it graded a a BGS nine five. So now that was my best buy for $45. And the great part is he included probably 40 different cognac parallels or maybe more, maybe it was like 90. And there were some big rookies. Like I sold the Charlie Blackman when he was hot two years ago in COVID season for like a hundred bucks. So that Charlie Blackman played off everything. Plus I started my cognac set. So I've had really good luck on eBay with safe searches. Uh, Freddie Freeman's in that class too, right? 2011. Yep, I got the Freeman rookie out of the series one. I got the Chris Sale out of series one. Those were both at PSA. They'll probably never come back to me. They've been there for like fifteen <laughs> months. But that was
0: that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. That's awesome, man. I love hearing the success stories. But all right, so I want to move into another another um, general baseball conversation, but also concentrated on cards. Uh, MLB Network just released their top one hundred players right now. And I thought it would be fun to go through the top 10 with you, talk about who the player is, their cards, kind of the most common cards or semi-affordable cards or their rookie cards and get your opinions. Do these guys belong where they are on the list? And what do you think about their cards? Something you would be interested interested in or something you wouldn't? Now I'm going to do a quick caveat. I almost never talk about like investment things on this channel. So <laughs> all of this is just going to be fun conversation between Scott and I of things that we may or may not want to do. If anybody wants to take advice from this, uh, good luck. <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. But that being said, I thought it'd be really fun to do that with, uh, with a genuine uh, diehard baseball fan and baseball card collector. So awesome. let's go through the top 10 and, and you give me your opinions on the players and their card. So first up, number 10 on that list is Ronald Acuna Jr. He's got a 2018 rookie. What I put on my little notes here, I brought up his Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10. It's got a pop of about $1,300 and that is selling for about $450. Now his main rookie, like the most one that everybody wants is his Topps Bat Down PSA 10. That has a pop of just $535 and that's a $2,100 card. What do you think?
1: If I was buying any Acuna rookie card, it would be the bat down or the Sapphire, but the Sapphire is numbered to 270 and it's the same image as the bat down. And they go for like three to $10,000. So that one's unobtainable for a majority of people. Honestly, the bat down probably is as well in a PSA 10. It was a very tough grade. It's a rare card in the sense that in comparison to the rest of the set, it's rare, but it's not that rare compared to like the history of baseball cards. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. that makes total sense. Yep. twenty eighteen was really printed. His two is. Uh, 2018 update card probably has 300,000. While this bat down is probably like 50 to 70,000. Maybe not that high. Let's say 20 to 50,000. That's still really printed, but they're very tough grades because of the corners. And because of that, if there are 20,000 of them and only 500 PSA 10s, that's the driving factor for those values. So you can still get some PSA 9s for like 600 bucks, 500 bucks, which is relatively affordable. I would rather have that than the tops Chrome Refractor because Topps Chrome is there but it doesn't match his flagship image. Topps Chrome Sapphire exists and it does match his flagship image and Top's Chrome Update exists of Acuna and it does not match his flagship image. It's so confusing. Yeah. I would just go with the more, what people view as the, the rookie in his case for that reason. Do I think Acuna is too high on the list? No, um, I think he's, I think where he's at's fine. I think he could have been a little bit higher as well. I do think he did, he did just tear his ACL. Oh, yeah. And I think people are underestimating that it could have an impact on his game. They're completely underestimating it. But he probably will be fine due to, like, modern medicine and how much money the Braves invested in him. And on top of that, he's looked good in videos. But he might be a slow starter this year, and that's that's tough. He's 24. He'll be maybe fully healthy by age 25. Uh, And if that's the case, unless he's a freak of nature, he might be able to get completely healed early. It's just there is some room for his cards to go down a little bit with a disappointing season this year. And I don't think there's that much room if he has a good season. He has to have an MVP season to have his cards appreciate. While a good season is going, to, they're going to remain stagnant, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it did. It. He was a guy that felt like um, he didn't suffer as badly in the hobby from his injury. It, Not at all. His cards maintained really, really well through that whole time. Even up in some cases. That's. Huh, yeah, I, I didn't even realize that. What's that? i sorry, I cut you off there. No, feel free to cut me off. You're, you're the expert here, man. That's why I got you on here, man. <laughs> learn learn me some stuff, man. Let's do it. Uh, but yeah, it was super fascinating as I watched him, you know, his prices all pretty much the same or going up in some cases, which is, is wild. When something that, when that big of an injury happens, you typically see some sort of a downturn in someone's prices. And then of course, it's wild that they went on and won the World Series without him. Uh, and he, it's weird how you might think people would react to that. But again, his prices are still there. Yeah, it's it's tough. People get mad at Mike Trout
1: for not winning a World Series, but they're like Acuna even has one. It's like, well, Acuna didn't even play in the second half. So, yeah, right. but they still hold that against him, and it will still be on his baseball reference page, and that's all that matters, I guess,
0: with baseball. You know, it's the history aspect. So, yeah, my thought true. on number ten at least. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to number nine, and this is one that I am super pumped about. Number nine is Freddie Freeman. Obviously, just signed big contract with the Dodgers. We lost Corey Seager, who I forget where he was on the list, but. If this list is right, it's an upgrade. I'm a big Corey Seager guy though, so we'll see. But uh, Freddie Freeman, his 2011 is his rookie. Uh, here for a couple of numbers, I brought up his tops Chrome in a PSA 10. is a pop of 186. is selling for around 440. And his tops base PSA 10 is a pop of about 1160. And that's about a $200 card right about now. What do you think about Freeman? Too high, too low. And what do you think about his cards? I like Freddie Freeman a lot. I think he might be a little high
1: on the list. But I still think he is a top 15 player. It's just above Acuna is kind of hard because Freeman last year, he was like a four win player. He did win the MVP in 2020 um, and he's, he's a great ball player, but where he has like a good bat, it's not necessarily an elite bat, like a Mike Trout or, you know, his OPS plus isn't ever really going to be aside from that shortened season is it ever going to be like 170 160. And on top of that is defensive value. He's a good defensive first baseman, but he's not like, a consistent gold glove winner, which holds some of his ceiling down. But overall, I think Freddie Freeman at nine is not crazy. I would probably put him like a, a little bit higher, like around a, a 15, you know, 11 to 15. But I do think it was an upgrade for the Dodgers. Uh, one, because of health. Freeman does not miss games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very consistent. He's a very good ball player. He doesn't really go through too many uh, like stretches of just like poor play. He did in the postseason last year, actually. But other than that, he's generally really consistent while Corey Seager, his shortstop defense wasn't that great. Um, him, I don't know how it rates out with actual analytics, but whenever I watched him, he seemed to miss a lot of easy plays. And on top of that, Freeman was a better defender at first than Seager was at shortstop in my eyes. And he's healthy and he's still a good left-handed bat. So I think overall the Dodgers improved, especially with what the Rangers ended up paying Seager. That's insane that he got a $320 million contract.
0: Yeah, I. Um, I mean, I'm... The best ability is availability, right? You hear that a hundred times. And I am such a big Corey Seeger fan. What he did in the NLCS and the, N- and the world series in 2020 to finally get the Dodgers over that hump. I, he's forever a Dodger in my heart. I don't, whatever sure. happens the rest of his career that he is a Dodger in my head, but, um, I still agree that what he got paid. I, we had so many injury problems last year. Who knows what's going on with Bellinger? I think moving on from Seager, from somebody who's going to be injured to somebody who is as consistent as it comes, a huge, huge win for me in my eyes. I'm pumped for what this season will bring. But, uh, but what do you think about his cards? I think
1: Freddie Freeman cards are really expensive because they're really, one, they weren't ever really graded all that much because he wasn't like a Mike Trout. And two, because he's actually from an era in 2011 where print runs were lower. So I think it's still crazy to pay that much for a base rookie card in a PSA 10. Uh, not saying the base are bad. I want to make sure I emphasize that. But if Freddie Freeman continues to have a Hall of Fame career, that pop is going to go up because I believe, I've been on the print odds for Series 1, but people have expected the print odds for uh, Mike Trout's update to be around like 40 to 60,000, uh, maybe a tiny bit higher, a tiny bit lower, right around that range. And that put Freeman like around 100,000 copies because Series one's much more printed. And so you're going to see that number go up to like Three to four thousand eventually. It might not be in Pizza 10 condition, which is good, but he's still in box sets. I had cracked open a box set and sent his rookie in. So it's it's still potential to keep going up. So I think there is some downside risk there. But now these with the Dodgers, I would target something like the top, top's finest refractors of Freeman that are numbered and are really inexpensive. Plus Top's chrome refractors of Freddie Freeman.
0: I think those are also a really good deal right now. Well, side note: I actually just got outbid today on a on a Topps finest auto. Uh, oh, I think it was yeah. gold. I was in an oh, eBay yeah. eBay bid trying to get that one, and I got outbid, sniped last minute. It went up, whatever, a hundred bucks over what my bid was. What are you going to do? But uh, those Topps finest from that year are actually pretty pretty nice looking. Totally, that's like my
1: favorite set of all time. So I've completed a, a refractor or better set. So every single card's a refractor. There's like. 16 or 17 Hall of Famers, plus Freeman, Trout, both have rookies. Craig Kimbrel, Chris Sale, Anthony Rizzo. A lot of great rookies are in that set. So
0: Awesome. All right, well, let's move on to number eight. This is a big name, huge, young superstar. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. popped up as number eight. He's a 2019 rookie, Toronto Blue Jays superstar right now. What do you think about Vlad? And I look, the cards I pulled up here is Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10 is a pop of about 11, 1150, and that's about 400. And his Prism Refractor PSA 10 is a pop 305, about 465. Uh, So a lot of these cards that I pull up uh, are their rookie cards and trying to keep them relatively affordable, you know, in my kind of sports card, nobody range. But, uh, But what do you think about Vlad? Too high, too low? And what do you think about his cards? I think Vlad is in a very good spot
1: on the list. I really do. He was amazing last year. Um, where he lacks is uh like his defensive capabilities again. Uh he's still a out of all the 35 first basemen that were qualified last year for outs above average, which is the stat cast measurement of defense, he was like number 31 or 32. So not very good. But his bat does it just makes up for all of it. And if he's able to maintain that for the next five or 10 years, his numbers are going to be absolutely crazy. And because of that, I think Vlad probably is a good buy. Uh, I would probably target his either Topps Chrome, like you said, or his Series 2 no number rookie card in a PSA 10 because that was technically a short print. It was an insert at the end of the set. But on top of that, it's only a couple hundred dollars. And I know it's like a four or five thousand, Not sorry, four or five thousand pop on the PSA 10 report. So it's higher, but it's still a really good range where it can hold value and even appreciate if he plays well.
0: Awesome. All right. So another guy coming up. This uh number seven on the list. Man, what a bummer with the news we've we've been hearing about him already. But Jacob deGrom is a 2014 rookie. Injured again, unfortunately. We'll see if he can keep pitching. Because again, I'm I'm a baseball fan, and baseball deserves to see a guy like this do what he can do for a whole season. But 48. nonetheless, uh, I have here his tops Chrome uh, update PSA ten, it's a pop of about two sixty, and that's selling for about six twenty five. And his tops update PSA ten pop of about 1400, 1466 about three hundred dollars. What do you think about Degrom? I feel bad for
1: Mets fans, and I feel bad for Jacob Degrom. He's getting older. He's 34. He has 77 career wins, less than 1,500 strikeouts. He's been extremely dominant, extremely dominant with multiple Cy Youngs. I hope he figures it out, but he has a lot to do still. Maybe just one more Cy Young. Maybe just get over the 100 win mark. Maybe just get 2,000 strikeouts to get to the Hall of Fame with the rest of his resume. But I think this injury is going to be longer than a month is my guess. Cause he has to build up after he gets there. Cause the Mets want him to be good for later in the year. So he'll miss another half the year, just like he did last year. But when he's right, he's amazing. So if he was healthy last year, he'd been probably number three on this list or higher, maybe number two, and probably number three behind Trout and Otani. But my point is I feel bad for him. I would not be buying his cards personally right now. They're not low enough. If they drop because of his injury to, you know, Forty percent off, then you should buy some. But right now, this really hurts his values and his future potential in my eyes.
0: Yeah, it, it man, it really is a bummer. I uh, I completely agree with you on that. And I you know, try not to use the fancy football method of like judging um cards and players and all that. But even last year when he was like Absolutely lights out, but everything kept creeping up. He would miss a start here, miss a start there. I kept trying to tell the other guy in my league we had, I was like, you should probably trade him before it gets bad. And and he didn't. He tried to hold on to him. And oh, oh, man, it's awesome. such a bummer. Yeah. So DeGrom's a tough one, but that's where I'm at with him. All right. So now another one on the list, number six. Uh, I think we're both pretty ecstatic about this guy, Mookie Betts, 2014 rookie. Uh, I have here his tops Chrome PSA 10 is a pop 543. About seven hundred ninety-one, so eight hundred bucks. Then his tops update PSA ten pop. That's a little bit higher, thirty-four thirty. His paper one, that's about two hundred and fifty. Thoughts on Mister Mookie Betts?
1: I can see. I've been arguing with people on Twitter. I can see how people view him as over, like listed on this list. But at the same time, I want to go back to two thousand and twenty. So since two thousand and sixteen, actually, I'm going back two thousand sixteen. He's been number two in baseball behind Mike Trout and War. And since 2019, three, the last three years, he's number four in war in all of baseball, not just the National League, but all of baseball. He was MVP runner-up in 2020, and he had the most war in both leagues in all of baseball, In the shortened season was on pace for another, like, 9.8, 10 war season, and then the season ended, you know, which is what it is. They won the World Series. That's really great for Mookie. And then now, this last year, he played 122 games, had 4.2 war, which was on pace for 5.6 war in his worst season by far in his career at age 28. Do I think he's washed up? Do I think this injury is going to ruin his career? I do not. I really don't. But would I still be a little nervous about buying his cards right now if I was trying to get into Mookie bets? Probably where his prices are just because like that tops Chrome update at the price it is, is a really good deal for how low the pop is. Uh, I did the print odds on those. There's about 1,200. Total graded, not graded. Sorry, in existence of the tops Chrome update, it was released only in mega boxes. I have one, but this is a audio only. You got two packs in a mega box and four cards per pack. So your odds of getting the Mookie was insanely hard, and because of that, they're really valuable for a good reason. But I would wait to see how his hit holds up. If you wait to buy in July versus now, the cards will not be going up that much, and you'll at least know if he's a the same Mookie bets or declining Mookie bets. So that's my actual thoughts, even though I just spent a lot of money on a really big Mookie Betts. I just bought a canary number to three autograph from Bowman Sterling, rookie autograph of his. So he's one of those players that you have to wait and see, but I think he'll be fine.
0: I really do. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think it. it he's got a lot of uh, lineup protection in there. He's going to be able to knock in runs, hopefully. You know, he's going to be batting lead off, which I still think Trey Turner should be hitting lead off in that in that lineup, but. I'm not Dave Roberts so it is what it is. But I'm super high on Mookie. I what he brings on the field, the intangibles, the the everything about him is like the perfect baseball player. I'm I'm a huge Mookie fan. So I I feel good. I think he's going to rebound and be right back to where we all expect him to be. Um so top 5 here. Let's get into that. First one up number 5, guy who just won his second MVP, probably the baseball player I argue with my brother with the most but Bryce Harper, who's a 2012 rookie, I have here his Tops Chrome PSA 10, which is a pop 310, selling for about 750 And his Tops Update PSA 10, which is a pop of about 2500 is about 156 bucks right now. Bryce Harper, man, what do you think about him? Too high, too low? And what do you think about his cards?
1: He did just win MVP. So I think if they would have put him any lower, people would have been upset. But at the same time, Bryce Harper is a very interesting player because he has extreme peaks and extreme valleys. He's led the league multiple times in OPS plus because he's extremely dominant when he's hot and when he's right. But he also has extremely cold years where he'll only have one to one point five war after a 10 war season, which is really a big swing. I think Bryce Harper is going to be more consistent now, as we've seen in Philadelphia the last three years. They've been all good seasons. So I expect him to be around a five war, four to five war player consistently. He still has the upside of MVP. But I think if he doesn't have a similar season this year, next year, even if he has a good year, he'll be number 10 to 15 on this list easily. So I do like Bryce Harper. I would actually target his Bowman Chrome autographs. His Bowman Chrome autograph in a BGS 95 is like a thousand bucks or less. I know that's expensive, but that's really affordable compared to one soda who's $5,000 or Acuna who's $3,500 and so forth. So I still think Bryce Harper's undervalued. It's just expect if you're a Bryce Harper PC
0: guy, to really have some rough times and some really high times it's just how he works so yeah he's you're you're absolutely right on him his ups and downs are crazy even throughout a season and i i as that mvp race was as tight as it could have been i mean him and tatis uh, you know it was really who kind of a coin flip but and the final like six games or whatever it was, I forget, but Bryce Harper went just absolutely ice cold, which basically cost him the playoffs. And I, I remember thinking like, I, can you give him the MVP at this point? I mean, he still took it down because I mean, Tatis had a lot of a lot of <laughs> rough stretches as well, plus his injury problems throughout the year that kept him from playing a lot of games. Um, an interesting player is a good way to put it about Bryce Harper.
1: I like Bryce Harper. I collect some of his cards, actually. I have his Bowman chromatograph I have super short print rookie uh, from top series two. Um, I would probably have put either him or Soto as the MVP winner that year. Acuna's team was awful. Um, in the second half, not CUNY, sorry. Tatis's team was awful in the second half. They fell apart. Tatis was awful because of his shoulder injury. He wasn't healthy. So I think the real guy who could have potentially won it. this another two weeks of the season was Soto because he was unreal, but Harper
0: winning, I have no argument with it. I just hope Soto gets one soon. I, he's going to, I mean, Soto had the slow start, right? That's what kind of, um, what kind of hurt him fast. throughout that year? He yeah, always- kind of like Mookie too. They're both slow starters. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you already said his name, but number four on the list is in fact Juan Soto. 2018 uh, is his rookie card. Here I have his Topps Chrome PSA 10. It's a pop of about 11300 and it's still about a $300 card. But Juan Soto, man, I mean, he's one of the absolute superstars in the game. Where do you, where do you think he falls on this list? Is that right? And what do you think about his cards?
1: I think Juan Soto is gonna have an extremely bright future out of everybody in the league. I think he'll probably have the most dominant stretch if he remains healthy over the next five years. So if I was gonna be buying anybody, which I am, I'd buy Juan Soto, uh, personally. I picked up two of his Bowman chromatographs this off season, and I picked up a couple, I picked up a gold refractor from Bowman's Best and a couple other small cards, nothing crazy. I wouldn't really buy his tops chrome uh cards because there's so many of them. Yeah, I but, mean almost uh, 12,000 already. Exactly. But if you get like a heritage chrome refractor or a Bowman's Best refractor that's numbered, those are still affordable, raw, you know, probably three to five hundred dollars,
0: depending on what you want to buy. And I think long term, if he plays well, that's what people are gonna want. Awesome. All right. Well, that gets us down to the final three here. Number three, Fernando Tatis Jr. Absolute lightning rod in the sport, but man, a lot of injury problems with him and already heading into the, end of the season. Kind of like DeGrom, nothing but bad news. What a bummer, but he's a 2019 rookie. I've got his top scrum refractor PSA 10 pop of about 1466, about 377 bucks and his top scrum prism refractor you get a little bit lower on the pop PSA 10 is about a pop 479. That's about a $530 card. What do you think about Tetsis I Tatis
1: is the hard, one of the hardest players in baseball to really talk about because when he's healthy, he's really good. But right now we have to worry about his shoulder and his wrist. It's starting to get a little concerning for me. Um, I think there's good reason to be doubting his cards right now. I wouldn't recommend buying his cards until you see how he plays unless they get to a price where you're personally comfortable spending the money. But if you are going to be buying his cards, I think that Topps Chrome Refractor is a great buy, especially one like one of the uh, Prism, like the Topps Chrome Prism version, the P-R-I-S-M, not like the Panini Prism. (laughs) Uh, But that's a good one. The Pulsar is a good buy. The Pink Refractors are all good buys. So my thoughts on Tatis is wait till he's healthy if you're not sure. If you are sure, be ready to pounce because he's going to have Three months out or so, and there's going to be some good deals coming up as hopefully Acuna and hopefully Soto
0: both start playing good. We'll forget about Tatis a little bit. Yeah, I actually have um, his uh, refractor as a card that I pulled myself that I, I nice. that I graded. I pulled it back in 2019 with a couple of really nice Vlad too. And I was I had full intention of trying to sell Tatis before the season. No, oh. he was going to get hurt. And he got hurt before the season. Couldn't so make the
1: season.
0: Yeah, couldn't even get that far. Stupid motorcycle. But what are <laughs> you going to do? Um, all right, final two. I mean, um, it's crazy that they're both on the same team, a team that hasn't sniffed the playoffs. But uh, number two, I mean, no doubt, best player of his generation, Mike Trout, 2011. His Tops Update PSA 10 with a pop of 5,600 is still about a $3,000 card. I think right around 2,700 is what I have in the notes here. What do you think about Trout, man? He's also starting to get that injury reputation, but he's still Mike Trout.
1: I think Mike Trout's going to have a good year this year. Maybe that's blind optimism because I collect his cards and I understand that, but I think he has a potential to win his fourth MVP, which will boost his cards to an extremely high level. If he can make it happen on top of that, with the expanded playoffs and with um, what's his name, Noah Syndergaard pitching for the angels, they have a playoff chance. So Again, blind optimism, but I think Mike Trout's stuff is dropped already. It's already rebounding. So I don't know if now is a good time to buy because it's already rebounding. But in six months, if he wins another MVP, you're going to wish you did buy right now. So it's really up to you. If you believe in Trout, I think now's a good time to pick up some top's finest rookies. If you don't believe in Trout or if you want to see how it goes, I see no issues with that and wait. But if he can remain healthy, like even last year, he was leading the league in May with an OPS of one, what was it? 1090. That's insane. He was leading all of baseball near like a 330 batting average. He was doing well and then just tears his calf jogging. So it's just one of those things. Is that a freak injury or is that a sign of what's to come? Who knows? So eventually he'll be moved to a corner outfield spot, which will hurt some of his value. But I still think that's a few years away. And Mike Trout has something that most players don't. And that is the recognition from basically almost everybody of being the best guy for the last 10 years, which will help his value for this era of baseball cards we're entering a new one with these younger players. So I wouldn't really buy anything trout now, but his rookies will always maintain value. So I can see an argument for both. I personally am buying trout. I just traded for a top's finest refractor, a green refractor number to one ninety nine, his rookie card. Um, so that's on its way to me right now in the mail. So I like trout, but I can totally see the reason why you'd wait.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no doubt that he's the best player of his generation. And it's another thing where, man, we got to get him in the playoffs. Baseball needs its stars in the playoffs. We need to see him. I mean, one one time in his career, he's been there. I think they got swept. I, how does that happen to the best player in the game? We man, what a bummer.
1: He was. I think they had the best record in baseball. I think that was twenty fourteen or fifteen, and the Royals beat him. And Trout had a home run, but he went one for ten. Yeah, so, yeah right. Just one of those tough situations. Yeah. Well, fingers they, crossed they, that we see him there. It just shows how much baseball is an individual, no, sorry, a team sport, not an individual sport because they have Trout and the number one is Otani. um, And those two players can't even carry them. You need a good staff. That's why the Dodgers have been so good. That's why the Astros have been so good. Yeah. They have great position players, but man, pitching is important.
0: Yeah. I it's another thing that's important is, is drafting and, and, maintaining a good farm system and the angels have got to get that figured out. It's crazy how, I mean, they're still ranked. I forget what the the most recent list came out, but they were down Uh, like 26 or something. I mean, they have got to get that figured out.
1: So Perry Manassian came over from the Braves to the angels and in the 2020 draft, they had 20 picks and they took all pitchers with all 20 picks and then he's been doing his best effort to really develop pitching. So I'm happy that he's there, but Artie Moreno always just, does weird purchases whether it's justin not justin turner what's his name justin hamilton albert pujols uh, uh justin, josh U- hamilton right josh hamilton thank yeah. you I think justin upton forgive me so all three of those guys had bad contracts they just released upton with dfa'd him and he's worth 28 million dollars off to pay him this year and he won't even play for him so let's see what perry can do i'm optimistic but trout's window is closing he's 30. you know he might be good through age 35 but they don't have a normal decline like a normal person unless he finds the Barry Bonds juice <laughs> what happens there. So. Wasn't that the clear? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So I don't think that'll be the case. I think trout won't. I don't think he'll take his career like that, but yeah. he probably has two or three years left of prime trout. And then after that, it's going to be good trout and then bad trout. So hopefully they figure out real soon.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, you already mentioned it, but yeah, number one on this list is the unicorn. One of the ah. most unique athletes in sports. Shohei Ohtani, he's a 2018 rookie. His Topps Chrome Refractor is a pop 680, sells for about 450. And his top Chrome Paper is a high pop, about 3,500, but it's about 230, so a little more affordable. Shohei, man, where do you put him? Is he is he deserved number one on this list? And what do you think about his cards? Ohtani's hard because he's 27 now, right? He has 15 WAR,
1: age 27, has an MVP, has a Rookie of the Year. So it's just going to be how voters view him. If you can have three more seasons similar to this season, last season, not an MVP perfect season, but let's say an 8 war season where he pitched to a 3-5 and hit 35 home runs, if you could do that for a few more years, he will have a legitimate Hall of Fame case as that unicorn. He came over from Japan a little bit later, had an injury that kept him out. So I think Otani is an extremely risky buy right now, but you're going to be rewarded handsomely if you have the guts to do it. Cause his cards aren't too bad in comparison to where his like value could be with how prominent he is in baseball and internationally. If he has a second year, like he had last year, his cards will be crazy for good reason. And so if you want a very high risk, very high reward player, Otani is your guy, but there's also a lot of downside risk if he doesn't repeat or if he gets hurt again.
0: So Otani is a tough buy for me. I haven't bought any Otani, but I really hope he succeeds. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I um I have one Otani. It's just his, his tops Chrome um SGC tended, it, which is kind of cool. I picked it up nice. on eBay for like fifty bucks or whatever. But um there's a there's such a big theme throughout this this top ten list. I mean, there's Otani, Trout, uh, Tatis, uh, Acuna. We'll see Mookie, Jacob Degrom. There's a lot of injury oh, concerns, yeah. right? And man, Otani's one of those guys. It seems too good to be true. I can't see him continuing what he did last year. We had already seen quite a bit throughout the season. We saw regression creeping into his game. He wasn't dominating the same way he was at either either side. So I worry about what he can be long-term, but I', I rooting for him. Again, I'm such a big baseball fan. Having that type of guy that has that global appeal and, and transcends what you expect of the game is just incredible. I mean – how many times people have said it, but doing stuff that hasn't been done since Babe Ruth. That's come on, stay healthy, stay on the field.
1: We are at a weird time where I think we are taking them for granted a little bit. This is not going to happen again, in my opinion. And if it does happen again, not to this extent at all, it's just not. And so I think baseball fans really need to appreciate it. And then just take it in. If it was a one year ride, man, that's going to be a fun little documentary documentary but I think he has some gas in the tank. I just think he might get burnt out. And if he does, they'll give him some days off more this year than last. You know, that trout will be back and Rendon will be back. But I just hope the angels make the playoffs.
0: That's my thing. Let's hope they can do it. Yeah. I, I really do like that. They implemented the Otani rule. So yeah. the DH for anybody who's unfamiliar, if Otani starts the game, he pitches um, and they pull him for a reliever. He can still bat, which is really awesome. Um, Cause Absolutely. you got to keep him on the field as much as possible. But but all right, Scott, man, listen, this was awesome. This was everything I hoped for. This was so much baseball knowledge, so much baseball card knowledge. I am so honored to have had you on the show. I am really, really thankful that you were able to take the time and sit down with me and have this chat because baseball is phenomenal. It deserves a lot of love. It deserves the kind of passion and voices like yours. So please keep that content going. And if you would, share. Where can everybody find you?
1: Thank. First of all, thank you, Shane. I appreciate all the nice things you said about the channel, about my content, it means a lot. Um, I'm on YouTube, it's called Scotty B Cards. Scotty underscore, no, it's just Scotty B Cards. On Instagram, I'm Scotty underscore B underscore Cards. So feel free to reach out, say hi whenever. I am a little slow to respond. I will always respond. I usually do my messages about once a week just to maintain uh, my day job and the YouTube video stuff. But I'm always happy again to chat. Uh, Thanks again for the shout out Shane and thanks for having me on the channel.
0: Of course, man, you have a good night. YouTube.